0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: Not only is Big Van Vader the most awesome athlete world championship wrestling has ever seen at 6'5", 450 pounds, but back on December 30th in Baltimore, he became for the second time the heavyweight champion of the world. Here's an athlete that's held titles all over the world, and now he is the world heavyweight champion once again. But the athlete Big Van Vader goes further than that. Take a look at his background. High school, college All-American mm-hmm. at Colorado. Played professional football for the Los Angeles
2: Rams, but your right. athletic background goes That's back to right. inner city in L.A. That's right, Mr. Schiavone. You want to talk about football a minute? We can talk about football. I've been an All-American since I've been a baby boy growing up at the Pop Warner Rings in inner city L.A. High school All-American two times. All-American at the University of Colorado. A four-year letterman, four-year starter. Played the Hula Bowl, the Japan Bowl, the East West Shrine game. First-round draft pick to the Los Angeles Rams, and it all ended up with that. The end all for football. The Super Bowl ring. But that was then, and that's over. This is the gold we're talking about now. The most important gold in the world today. The WCW Heavyweight Championship. And that's man. That it belongs to is Big Van Vader. Sting.
1: When you talk about the gold, you have to talk about the contenders, the men after the gold. And the <laughs> first man that comes to mind, one of the first men that comes to mind, is Sting, former World Heavyweight Champion. What about Sting? Stinger, are you
2: looking at me, brother? <laughs> are all the little Stingers disappointed? Have they gone to the funeral yet? Because it's over, brother. You know what? I'm wearing the gold, and that's something I know you want. That's something you once had, but guess what? You got something that I want, and that's the King. of cable. Yeah, you want a rematch thing? I think there's, I think me and Mr. Race can accommodate you anytime and any place. And next time, mm-hmm,
1: yeah, next time. Ron hmm. Simmons, we talk about being an All-American, being a great athlete. Here's a man with a great athletic background as well, the man you defeated recently for that World Heavyweight title, what
2: about the former champion? Tell you what, you know? You gotta give credit where credit's due. Ron Simmons, big, powerful man. Uh, Three-time All-American from Florida State University. And, uh, you know, Ron, you, uh, you took the belt. No, let me say this. You stole the belt from me in Baltimore. I trained for Sting, and Ron Simmons showed up. That's like George Foreman training for Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier showing up. Was that justice? No. Was that fair? No. You got lucky. But Vader gathered himself, didn't he? And he came back, man to man, face to face, and met you where it all happened, where it all began, in Baltimore. And the real man walked out with the gold, brother. So yeah, you want a shot? You want one more time to prove yourself? Come on, bring it on, Mr. Simmons. You want this gold? You better come ready, because I'm ready to fight.
1: Harley Race is your mentor with Harley Race is your mentor. What are the plans for Big Van Vader now as World Heavyweight Champion?
2: Well, the plan is simple, Tony. And let me say this before I give you my plan. Mr. Race, seven-time world champion. He's been down this road once or twice, hasn't he? He really has. Son. Yes, sir. He's the only man I've ever taken advice from in the Squared Circle. And Mr. Race and myself, we've devised a plan for me to be the longest reigning world champion in the history. ...of the WCW, because we all know... ...Fader, he fears no man, and he feels no pain.
1: Yeah. He is the World Heavyweight Champion, Big VanVade. Mm.
2: Don't hate the player, hate the game. He's tra- tra- tra-
1: tra- simply ravishing
2: himself. So- High five! What time is it?
0: You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network i'm your host andrew rich this is episode 95 and it is about the themes of big van vader and making his debut on the podcast here is a contributor for voices of wrestling and uh technically is a fellow andrew although he goes by andy it's andy labar hello andy
3: hello andrew fellow andrew thanks for having me it's a long time coming happy to be here happy to to cover themes of uh one of my favorite wrestlers of all time.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're on the show here, finally, for the first time. Um, although it's funny, uh, you asked me recently when you were going to come on. And I <laughs> said, "I said soon, don't worry. I have a special topic in mind just for you. And when I told you it was going to be about Big Van Vader, uh, you laughed. Because <laughs> you thought it was going to be about something else entirely, I guess. So.
3: Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I'm a little... Uh... I don't think I have necessarily different tastes than a lot of the other people in our, our that are contributors voice of wrestling. But I'm not on the up and up with maybe some more modern things or especially modern Japanese wrestling right now. And uh, while I love Vader, I've never really paid attention to his themes other than, other than really one or two in particular. So that was not what I was expecting. But I do think that uh, I guess I'm honored that you were thinking of me for that perfect project. And uh, after kind of doing some research, I feel like uh, I'm ready to go for the the man they call Vader.
0: Yeah, well, I think I know you well enough where, um, or at least through your uh, omakase draft history alone, that um, when I thought of the topic for Vader, uh, I penciled your name right in because he is one of the ultimate beef boy wrestlers and you are a big fan of the beef boy wrestlers, Andy. So, oh yeah, I love, uh, I love big beefy wrestlers. In fact, one of my favorite
3: indie wrestlers is a guy that goes by the name big beef. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I love the the big kind of ugly fat wrestlers. Those are, those are usually my favorites. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, before we get to the topic of Vader, uh, since this is your first time on the show here, Andy, I'll ask you something that I ask a lot of my first time guests. Uh, When and how did you become a wrestling fan?
3: Uh, Yeah, excellent question. Um, I've been a wrestling fan uh, for a long time, not necessarily as far back as I can remember. Um, And I don't have an exact moment. I know a lot of people have like one match that they saw or one one moment. Um, And mine, I've always been interested in wrestling, probably going back to being Three or four years old. Uh, I'm almost 35 now. So we're talking about 1989, 1990. Um, and uh, I, I don't really have a, a particular moment. Uh, I do remember very early on having like a Sting, Ultimate Warrior, and Hulk Hogan toys. Um, and so somehow I knew these big, larger than life characters. Um, I don't remember ever watching WCW. I had the WCW comic books um, as a, a not toddler, but a pre school. Age kid, um, but I, I guess I usually point to uh, WrestleMania six or WrestleMania seven as kind of my beginning of fandom. So really that that peak Ultimate Warrior era that 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 one year where he was kind of the the title holder, and then uh, into WrestleMania seven.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, has music played a big part in your wrestling fandom at all?
3: Um, off and on. I mean in the in the late nineties in the Attitude Era. Uh, in particular, when WWF was releasing the the CDs um, quite often. I know you've covered a lot of them uh, when like well, I can't remember the name of it now the the rap CD that they did too. Um, oh aggression you, aggression. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely had that. Um, so that was a fun episode when you did that episode um so yeah i mean it's it's definitely something that as i was younger i thought it was like the the peak of music almost uh (laughs) but but not so much now i mean i i do enjoy it i think a good theme can really make a wrestler a bad theme can really ruin my enjoyment of a wrestler um but uh yeah i've done i've done other radio shows pre-music of the mat not my time on here but even just knowing you uh, about wrestling themes before, like we're on college radio, uh, but I
0: don't have nearly the the background that you do or knowledge that you do. Uh, okay, that that's fine. That's fine. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, today, Andy, we are indeed looking at the themes of one of the most iconic big man wrestlers of all time, a man who made a lasting legacy not just here in the states, but also in Japan and Europe as well, and someone who uh, sadly died just a few years ago. It's Big Van Vader, or the man they call Vader, or Super Vader, or just plain old Vader, or Bull Power, or any other cool names used by Leon White, which is not a cool name, Uh, (laughs) which, which you know, when I was preparing for this episode here, Andy, I looked up some footage of him when he was just starting out in AWA in 85, 86, when he was just the baby bull, Leon White, and he doesn't really look all that special. He's just a, a you know a big burly guy with a receding hairline and in black pants, but I think it really speaks to I guess like the transformative magic of wrestling, if you will. How you can take the same guy and shave his head a certain way, give him a a certain unique looking mask and, and a singlet, give him a helmet that looks like it was forged by Satan himself. And you give him a terrifying new name and just have him destroy guys in mere minutes. And all of a sudden, you go from Leon White, just another big man, to Big Van Vader, a pro-wrestling legend. Um, I think it's pretty incredible how one character change completely changed the outlook of this guy's career, Andy.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, good on, uh, I guess, All Japan and New Japan uh, for their dealings and bringing him over and and repackaging him uh those early awa runs when he's it's funny they call him baby bull but he's like 30 years old even when he starts out so he's not not much of a baby i mean he looks like in classic 80s fashion he looks you know he looks like he's been doing this for 25 years even though he's brand new and all this (laughs) stuff he he looks grizzled uh, due to his time in football and whatever else but um yeah you're right i mean he's i when i was watching some awa to prepare for this i was like you know he's basically like uh Pre Heart Foundation, Jim Nightheart, like he's just kind of like this big burly guy who can beat, you know, ninety-five percent of the, the world up. But there's nothing really that special about him. Uh, but yeah, the the gimmick that he eventually got that we all know and love, uh, really, uh, it couldn't really have worked for anybody else, and he he made it work as as well as it could have.
0: Right, right. And I think what helps put Vader into that elevated status is that he's had these moments that have become. I think part of wrestling mythos because obviously he's not the most complicated wrestler in the world or or the only man to wrestle in that style, but it's because of moments like Vader beating Inoki in his debut and causing a riot in Sumo Hall that people remember him fondly as a legend. It's because of moments like powerbombing Joe Thurman and quote-unquote breaking his back or ticking off Cactus Jack's ear in Germany or wrestling Stan Hansen and getting his eyeball knocked out of his socket and pushing it back in to keep wrestling. Like, it's moments like that that'll write your legacy as one of the baddest, toughest motherfuckers around. You know, it'll, it'll make you live forever, Andy, in a way. Yeah, definitely.
3: One of the funnier things I remember is uh, an old WWF home video, or it might have been even uh, early network when they did like documentaries. I think it was about Giant. It was like it was a home video about like WWF's best big man of all time. And the section that they did on Vader, uh, there was like a uh, there was like five or six talking heads talking about his gloves and how hard he would hit you with them. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was like the stench of the gloves. Like they just smelled really bad. (laughs) And so that's kind of also been like he's just this big beefy sweaty probably smells like beer you know burly guy that yeah he's he's had his eye pop out he's you know broken bones he's done all kinds of things he's just uh he's just a real ass kicker and uh he was not afraid to get his ass kicked here and there as well and he's just uh, kind of the perfect really really one of the best uh, to ever do it i think in my opinion
0: yeah i mean you know his famous line was he fears no man he feels no pain yeah. and you see him wrestle, you look at him, you see the entrance, you see everything about him, and you believe it. That that's for damn sure, you believe it. Um mm-hmm. Now, do you remember the first time you ever saw Vader by any chance? I definitely
3: saw him um in probably around 90, 1994 uh, ninety-five WCW. So so I did I did know who he was before he came to WWF. Um you know, I didn't really watch Nitro until Uh, a few months before the nwo uh took era took place so in uh, early 96 i didn't really watch that first year of nitro but i did know vader in wcw so before he jumped ship to, to wwf um and then really one of the and i always thought he was awesome but then also one of the things i don't even know the year this happened uh, one of the, the things that was really awesome and crossed over was when he was on Boy Meets World, um, and I don't know if you've ever seen that episode, but he plays—I have, yes—he plays yes. Ethan Suplee's uh, character's dad, and uh, that was really as a as a kid who loved
0: TGIF and who loved wrestling. That was like <laughs> my worlds colliding. It was pretty great. That was uh, around '96, I think. Yeah, because, so probably. Uh, there was footage of him uh, wrestling Jake Roberts, which would have been okay. WWF. So he's in WWE, yeah. Um, but, uh, what I remember the most about that episode is that, uh, Corey and Topanga at the end are slow dancing in the wrestling ring and they have to move a few feet over because here comes Vader doing a moonsault into an empty ring. (laughs) And it's like, it's like Ethan Supli goes like, yeah, dad. All right. (laughs) It's, it's one of the weirder sitcom endings I can remember watching, but, um, but still a, a pretty fun moment for a wrestling fan. I think so for sure. Well, obviously, for me, I wasn't watching when he was in WCW or WWF. I had to watch that stuff online years later. Um, I think the first time I ever saw him in any match was the 96 Royal Rumble match, which was his debut in the company. Um, But um, but actually, I, I did manage to see him on TV in 2005. And it's a really weird story because I've mentioned before on the show that there have been times in my life where I've had like... Wrestling ESP, where I've predicted some weird thing that would happen in wrestling, like Kevin Nash powerbombing CM Punk at SummerSlam 2011. But the first time I can remember doing that was in 2005, and it was um. Do you remember the old Taboo Tuesday pay per view?
3: I do. Yeah. Yeah,
0: where the fans you know voted on the matches. Um, it would become Cyber Sunday later right. on, of course. But um, but in 05 one of the matches was Batista versus Jonathan Coachman. And in the build-up on Raw, Coach was like, I've got two enforcers who are going to help me take you down, Batista. The first one comes out, it's Goldust. And for whatever strange reason in my head, watching that show live, I thought to myself, what if the second enforcer was Vader? And sure enough, (laughs) what starts to play but, oh, it's Tom! It's Tom! It's Vader, Tom, Tom, Tom. And Vader comes out as the second Enforcer. I I swear to God, this is all true. And the only possible explanation I can think of is that Vader and Goldust had had a feud in late 97, early 98. Mm
3: -hmm. And I knew
0: about that. And when I saw Goldust, my brain, for whatever reason, just made a connection to Vader. And all of a sudden... There was Vader. It it was very freaky, Andy. I'm not gonna lie. Well, good job. It's funny. I've never,
3: I've never seen that match or that that pay-per-view. That's kind of around the the five-ish or five to ten-ish years where I was loosely paying attention. So really, kind of not watching too much, and I haven't gone back and watched that that era very much. But those are that's a that's a funny combination of people.
0: Yeah. So let's get to these themes here. Uh, we have Great. six to talk about. And uh, Leon White, he broke into wrestling, as we said, with the uh, AWA in 85 under the name Baby Bull Leon White. But he really got his first big success in the CWA, the Catch Wrestling Association in Austria and Germany, run by Otto Wanz. Uh That's where he wrestled under the name Bowl Power and actually defeated Vance for the CWA World World Heavyweight title in March of 87, ending Vance's nine-year reign as champion. So quite a big deal there. And uh, they would feud for a few years, trade the belt back and forth. Uh, Bull Power eventually got his first theme in the CWA. It's by Bruce Springsteen off of Born in the USA. This is the title track, Born in the USA. I first played this back on the Real Songs from the Territories Volume 2 episode with Jeb Hawkins, and the overall gist of what we talked about back then was, you know, so many people took this song at face value to be so patriotic and so pro-America, and politicians are using it as their campaign songs, and wrestlers are using it to symbolize, I'm a true American good guy hero, etc., um, when the reality... just, shows that, just shows that wrestlers and oh, sorry, I cut you off. You oh. show the, show the point. <laughs> I know what you're going to say too. Yes, that, uh, that wrestlers and politicians equally as stupid, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that that the reality of the situation is, of course, that the song is rather scathing towards America and the way that Vietnam vets were treated by Americans after the war, and there is that disconnect between the usage and the intent of the artist. And thinking about it here, there's a similar disconnect, because even though he was called Bull Power, he still wrestled in CWA after becoming Big Van Vader, and there's footage of him in the Vader mask and gear, coming out to Born in the USA in this company. And the very notion of Big Van Vader coming out to blue jeans, Bruce Springsteen, is rather strange, I think. But I think here it's just another case of you know, the imposing American force coming in, winning the belt, and he's coming out to supposedly the most pro-American song of all time, Born in the USA. Uh, so I think I think that's the extent of the thought process uh, in regards to bull power using this song, Andy.
3: Yeah, definitely. It is. I mean, yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. I think it's just kind of one of those recognizable songs. I mean, Born in the USA uh, is one of the biggest, al- highest selling albums of the 80s. It's, it's you know... Everyone knows it, and that's it's kind of like the rock equivalent of Thriller in that way uh, for a lot of people. It just like it was everywhere, uh, and it's one of those things that like so many songs uh, and so many albums, people just just took it face value. Um, and you know, Vader and AWA, I guess, baby bull and, and early bull power there. Uh, Leon White, you know, was kind of this midwestern or western ex football player, just you know, looked like a big truck driver, just this all American guy. So. I guess that was kind of the where they were running with it. Um, it is interesting to see those old CWA matches and see how much he is like hated, though, even before he, he becomes Vader. and With the, such a upbeat song, even if it's got a downbeat message, he's really booed out of the building uh, in CWA. So it's it's just kind of a funny contrast.
0: Yeah, and there's a contrast, too, with the music of Otto Vance, because mm-hmm. you know, Vance, the owner of the company, the hero of Austria... He ain't coming out to Bruce Springsteen, that's for damn sure, or or any other contemporary pop or rock artist. He's, he's coming out to some traditional, jaunty German orchestral music, you know. So musically, you're setting up a good opposition between the big rock guitars, the big keyboards, the 80s-rific American bad guy, and uh, the Austrian hero who represents his, his people and his culture with pride does the song necessarily make sense with bull power or whatever not really no but again i could see what they were going for so
3: i definitely i wonder like I, if you could ever take how i think that's, that's the the genius of that song uh and and bruce Springsteen a lot of times in general is i wonder if you took out the verses and just had just the instrumental and then the chorus i mean then it would be like the most patriotic <laughs> song ever and it would really work the way they wanted and, and then it would fit but yeah with with the verses especially that last verse where you know he talks about just being stuck at the refinery uh essentially and no one's coming to help him. um that's always kind of as it I, my family was more big bruce Springsteen listeners and that's always kind of Hit home, hit not necessarily hit home, but really like, oh yeah, okay. We don't necessarily treat our veterans uh, as well as we should. Um, it's always been something to reflect on, but it's uh, yeah, it doesn't fit him the best.
0: Hey, wrestling, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a real, a uh, real picker-upper for sure, yeah, for sure. sure. Um, so in uh, December of '87, uh, Leon goes over to Japan uh, first. He's supposed to go to all Japan, but he actually makes his debut in New Japan under the new name. Big Van Vader, with uh, a very early version of the character, too. Because he had the helmet, but he didn't have the mask, and he wore a long tights. And eventually he would get the full black and red lightning mask, and then the actual proper Vader mask, too, and so forth. But this is where he started as Vader. And you want to talk about, like, auspicious debuts. This is it, because he shows up after Antonio Inoki has just wrestled Ricky Choshu. And the story goes is that he was brought in by Takeshi Kitano. Yes, that Takeshi Kitano, the actor, uh, beat Takeshi because, you know, he was feuding with Inoki with his own group of guys at the time. Um, Now, the fans were already angry at this point in the show and had thrown garbage in the ring earlier because they hated the angle, apparently. And then Vader shows up and him and Inoki have an impromptu match and Vader just destroys Enoki in three minutes. Just like that. He beats the God of New Japan. And it actually causes a riot in the building that gets New Japan banned from Sumo Hall for like over a year. Um, and also the company lost its primetime TV slot on Asahi TV. So, yeah, quite the debut for Big Van yeah. Vader. And, uh, of course, he would go on to become a multi-time IWGP Heavyweight Champion, the first foreigner to ever win that belt, which is a pretty massive accomplishment. And uh, yeah, Vader became a superstar for New Japan Pro Wrestling in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, His theme in New Japan is originally by the band Rainbow, off of their album Down to Earth. But Vader used an instrumental remake of the song by NJP Unit. This is off of New Japan Pro Wrestling 30th Anniversary Best Album, and it's called Eyes of the world So the original version of this song is a lot longer than this. It's around 7 minutes or so, and New Japan did do a full re-recording of the song, with vocals and everything, on one of their albums, but Vader came out to this truncated version, and the intro of the original song is awesome, because it starts off with this howling wind, and then the low synth line slowly fades in. Boom, ba-da-boom, boom ba-da-boom, boom 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 ba boom ba boom And then the boom, 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 boom boom kicks in. It's really cool. This one, it's also great because it starts off with an explosion. And you still get the boom, boom, boom intro. But it feels like there's a greater sense of urgency with it. While still giving off that sense of impending doom as well. Because that melody just keeps rising and rising and rising until bang another explosion into the main body of the song and impending doom and Vader, they tend to go hand in hand, Andy.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if born in the USA didn't work this, this one definitely works. Uh, I really love the, 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 NJP unit version of this. I like, I really like rainbow and pretty much all Richie Blackmore, uh, projects. Um, I like the first three, D, uh, rainbow albums a lot more with, with, with Ronnie James singing. Um, uh, <laughs> yep. but, uh, You Know it, it, I really like the NJP unit version. It just seems a little bit louder, punchier. Obviously, it's recorded uh, a little bit later than the original album and things like that, so more digital or whatnot. But it's uh, yeah, it just you would see if you would see him in the mask, see him walking down with that kind
0: of gong ish sound. Um, it's just it's it's pretty perfect. It's it's an excellent theme, yeah. The best term I can use to describe this song is action packed, yes, right? Because It's not necessarily the scariest, most doom and gloom song ever. It's not like Bull Nakano's theme or or Kane's theme or something like that. But it's always go, go, go. Keep up the pace. Keep up the music. The drums are always constant. There's a, a guitar solo here. There's a keyboard melody there. There's never a lull in the action. And Vader, was he like Rey Mysterio or Masato Yoshino in terms of pacing? No, of course not. But his whole thing was about... The unstoppable onslaught of violence. When you're in the ring with him, he is the predator and you're the prey. And he's not going to show any mercy or let up. He will just straight up maul you like a bear from beginning to end. That's his mission. And to see him come out with this song, it's such a perfect pairing in terms of matching his style of wrestling. Because you have the intro, which is full of dread and suspense. And that's what his opponents feel they have to face him and then it follows up that dread with the impactful action in the ring so i think it's a tremendously effective theme in that regard andy yeah for sure i i 100
3: agree i think what, what's interesting is the way that the song's structured like you said with the original version being uh quite a bit longer but the, the truncated version even when it starts to go into those solos and and those uh keep both guitar and keyboard solos you know you could turn it basically vader a baby face and it would still work in that aspect there'd still be this doom of oh he's still an ass kicker he's still this super heavyweight uh but it, it's almost it's like you said it's not a scary song uh, but it is sort of an epic song and is just epic and so it, it could work kind of heel and face uh probably better as a as a heel theme but uh you know it's just uh, a very enjoyable instrumental piece
0: Yeah, and even if it did have the lyrics, I think it would still work very well, because I think the lyrics convey a similar sense of darkness and dread. I see the innocent victims, fighting to get to his door. No chain of events can shackle him down. Dust to dust by the million, broken dreams in the ground. Aching heart in the hard streets of home, where their spirits are gone. Evil takes, evil kills, with no shame or concern killing me, killing you, watch the end of the burn. Maybe you didn't understand, we don't need you anymore. If only you could see the tears and pain in the eyes of the world. So it's it's not a happy tune, that's for sure. There's a lot of negative imagery, things are in turmoil, evil takes, evil kills, broken dreams, tears and pain, the world's in trouble, You know, Big Van Vader, a man who revels in hurting people and causing pain and inflicting turmoil. He's an evil man. So, even though the lyrics aren't here, if you know the actual song, you know that it isn't just the music that suits Vader very well, it's the words as well. For sure. And uh, of course, later on, at the end of the 90s, when uh, Vader joined All Japan, uh, they did their own re recording of this song. So, uh, this one did stick with Vader throughout different companies in japan um i don't think he used it in uwfi against takada though i think he used um kevin sullivan's wcw theme of all things but um but in terms of like vader themes eyes of the world is one that maybe some fans don't really think about firsthand when it comes to vader because they only knew him from wcw or wwf but this one is just as important for his career as you know any other song he's had
3: yeah i think like i like we'll get to i think the the wwf theme in particular is the one that i most uh associate with them i think most people our our general age or at least from america would but this one you know as an older personnel with access to so much wrestling going back and watching this stuff and new japan and all japan i mean eyes of the world is is sort of the vader theme to me now and it's uh yeah, it's, just, it's excellent. I love it. I mean, it's something that like, I downloaded all the Spotify, all the Rainbow albums on Spotify now because I'm like, oh, I haven't listened to Rainbow in years. And it, it really made me hyped just
0: listening to it. So, mm. so uh, besides being a big deal in Japan, Vader also became quite the big deal in the States in World Championship Wrestling. He would go on to become a three time WCW World Champion, but his debut in the company was at the Great American Bash 1990, when he still had the Black Mask. It was against Tom Zank. Uh, He beat him in, like, two minutes, and off we go. Uh, His first WCW theme, he only had it for a few occasions, actually. Uh, It is by Christopher Sangarides from the Bruton Music Library, and it's called Heavenly Thunder. So the song is called Heavenly Thunder, and uh, surprise, surprise, it starts off with thunder and uh, the spooky choir. Again, the intro setting the doom and gloom tone quite well. And then that guitar riff kicks in. Down, 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 down. And the drums kick in. That steady dun, cha, dun, cha beat. And that's the first minute of the song. And it's just plain Awesome! Like, I know I said that Vader only had this for a few times, but that's a real shame because this song—it's just—it's so perfect for Big Van Vader, and yeah, I love it so much.
3: Oh yeah, and we'll get we'll get uh, to his next one, but this is this would have should have followed him throughout his WCW run for years. It's a shame, you know. Looking at Cage match, I don't know if if the Tom Zink match is the only televised match that would have even had this theme it seems like i think maybe it might be i think it might be yeah, the yeah. beach and then it seems like in 1990 he only did house shows and then he changed his theme for his december comeback so uh that's a bummer because it's it's yeah while it's uh it's not a perfect theme i think it, it you know for that era of wcw where things were like quite simple a lot of the themes were, were quite simple and a lot of them sounded similar um this one you know is it, very doomy um that guitar you know solo and yeah it's just it's it fits him, to stalking down to the ring uh, perfectly. Gets him over as, as evil, essentially. And that's really what they... Not
0: not New Japan evil, but,
3: <laughs> but it gets him over as, as an evil wrestler. And that's really what they wanted to convey.
0: Yeah, all the components of the song just work so well, right? I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. heavy. That's an important part. Um, all throughout the song, it just has so much oomph to it. Uh, the tempo matches Vader's gait as he's walking down to the ring. You've got the synths and the choir in the background, which... Give it kind of a, a, a heightened otherworldly quality to it, and much like with Eyes of the World, there's that snap transition at one point between the slow plodding riff, and then all of a sudden this da 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 comes in, and there's a big guitar solo, and things are going crazy, and it's all chaotic as hell, and then it slows back down, and we're back to the dun 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 da and really. Can't you picture in your head this being the soundtrack to every Vader squash you've ever seen? Oh, yeah. He comes out for the entrance. Da da, da da da, He walks slowly. He takes his time. His steps are heavy. The helmet shoots the smoke. The ritual is about to commence. And then the bell rings. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. It's chaos. It's violence. There's fists and body slams and choke slams and power bombs and the Vader bomb. And before you know it, the bell rings, the match is over, and Vader makes his slow walk back up the ramp. Da, 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 da. The deed is done, the monster is sated, until next time. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And again, I'm so goddamn mad he didn't use it more.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, one of the things I really love about this this track is those, uh, you know, they're kind of just like the stock choral keyboard. Uh, notes there. Um, it, it can sound corny in, in a lot of songs when you hit that that uh, effect on the keyboard that just sounds like a gothic choir or whatever. Uh, but it really works here, and it really again kind of just elevates that the dark uh, theme or the evilish theme uh, of what they wanted Vader to be and kind of what he
0: was for the first few years of of uh, his WCW run. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've come on here and played a WCW production library song and it was just like, yeah, it's fine, but it's just another generic rock song and it doesn't really fit the wrestler all that well. This one though, it absolutely does. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a rarity in that sense, I guess. (laughs) For sure. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Christopher Sangarides. Uh, Not only did he do this song, but he also did uh, the four horsemen theme brain decay, which they used in the same year as this uh, 1990. But uh, besides that, he he does have a much uh, bigger uh, resume outside of wrestling because he produced and engineered for just a ton of legendary rock and metal bands for decades. Uh, He worked with Black Sabbath, Ozzy, Thin Lizzy, uh, UFO, Overkill, Exodus. Uh, He produced the album Painkiller by Judas Priest, which is pretty cool. Um, he's worked with like Tom Jones and Depeche Mode, the Sisters of Mercy. Uh, he produced the song Joey by Concrete Blonde. So, uh, yeah, he was a pretty big deal in uh, the world of rock and metal for many, many years. Um, sadly he did die back in 2018, but, um, he made his mark. That's for sure.
3: Yeah. That's a lot more impressive than Brain Decay itself, which is one of my, uh, least favorite horseman <laughs> themes for sure. The talk about that one, that one is to me very, one of those really
0: generic WCW, early WCW themes. Yeah, I definitely prefer Coast. Oh, yeah, you of know, course. Yeah. Da, 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 yeah, that's... That, that, that one's much better, I think, yeah. That's one yeah. of my favorite themes of all time, any,
3: any company, anywhere.
0: Uh, by the way, by the way, do you know who else used Heavenly Thunder as a theme? I don't. A man by the name of Mean Mark Callis. Whoa! Oh, there you go. It would, of course, go on to become old Booger Red himself, the Undertaker. So a uh, little fun fact for you there. That's so funny because in my notes um, that I that I took while listening to this, I
3: said uh, with the, the Doomy intro um, and the the choral arrangements, I was like, "Are those the same choral arrangements? Are the same like uh, keyboard choir that are used in some of the Undertaker themes?" So ah. you know, I, I did kind of make that connection without actually
0: knowing. Interesting. Very similar. Very similar. Yes. Yes. So in uh, December of 1990, Vader gets his second WCW theme the one he has until the end of his run there in 95, so a long, long time, which includes having Harley Race as his manager, and uh, the world title runs, of course, and the feuds with Sting, and Cactus Jack, and Ric Flair, and Hogan, all those guys. It is by the trio of Bernard Arcadio, Andre Seciarelli, and Jean-Claude Chavanagh, I hope I said those right. Uh, It is from the Music Cinema Television Music Library, and it's called Afro Rock. First off, I have to chuckle at the title because (laughs) the idea of Big Van Vader, of all people, coming out to a song called Afro Rock is a bit funny to me, I think. But but as far as the song goes, you know, it's not a very complicated song at all. Uh, All it is is a guy just noodling on a guitar, throwing off some sweaty licks, while underneath it is the same backing melody over and over and over again. Don't. And it's just that, pretty much, for about 4 minutes. And I know we had this theme song for pretty much almost all this run there in the company, and some people may think that this is blasphemy on my part, but this song just doesn't do it for me at all. I can't get into it. Again, I understand that this is THE Vader WCW theme, but... It just doesn't grab me like other Vader themes do, Andy. Uh, What about you? No, I
3: I actually wrote that this is far and away the worst thing that we'll be covering here. And and really, like you said before, really goes to one of those generic kind of WCW, NWA themes. It's One of the things I, I thought was like... If you were live in the arena and this came through and you're watching Vader come down, it probably works a lot better with how repetitive it is. And, and you know, it, the drums probably sound a little bit louder. Um, but yeah, just listening to it as its own piece of music, it's it just seems really lazy and, and really cheap. Like they just busted it out in 15 minutes and said, oh yeah, that's good enough and let's do it. I also wrote that the, the guitar solo, uh, I guess like midway through the song, I mean, I actually, like, laughed out loud. It reminded me of, like, one of those, like, Creed Shreds videos that were <laughs> hot, like, 10 years ago, you know, where it's, like, someone yeah, that yeah. doesn't know how to play. And it's obviously not that bad, but it was, yeah. I, I somehow have never connected it really, you know, while watching this era back, which is my favorite era of Vader um, from 90 to 95. Uh, I've never really paid attention too much to this theme. Um, I don't, I wonder, do they actually use this on the network, or do they, they use, like, Mastodon? Uh, I don't know, actually, I because they do that out. with a lot of like the the wrestlers who would you know go on to WWF. They they use yeah, their WWF yeah. themes and redub them. I have to go. I mean, I we'll have to go back and check, but this one really yeah struck me as just terribly boring. And, and considering the the quality of matches that he had in wcw at this time, you know, with Sting, Cactus Jack, Dustin Rhodes, Flair, uh, Big Bubba, which was carried. uh They talked about on omikaze this week, uh John and Gerard. It was you know it's it's just it's kind of sad, especially considering how good heavenly thunder was
0: yeah to me it's not like this song just doesn't work for vader at all i think it does in some ways because it does give off a very menacing vibe Um, but there's also like a majestic tone as Mm -hmm. well with the keyboards sounding kind of like a trumpet so in my mind it kind of brands vader as like this tyrant this this vicious king who beats up his subjects which i think can kind of work in some ways but yeah, overall, if we're comparing this to Heavenly Thunder, there's no contest. It doesn't stack up to that song whatsoever. And um, you know, if I had to rank all the Vader themes, yeah, honestly, this would not be very high on my list there. So,
3: yeah, I mean, just imagine imagine it's just like him coming down to this and it, it, it obviously if he's feuding with people like Sting at this time, Sting's got the man called Sting or whatever, you know, it's it's good contrast, but it's it's just it just seems lazy and, and, and it's quite boring to listen to outside of the context of
0: the actual match. Yeah. Well, you must've read my mind actually, because um, I also wrote down in my notes that this song works as a contrast with the themes of the other big stars in WCW that Vader was feuding with at the time. Like, you know, a man called Sting mm-hmm. or don't step to Ron also Spreck Thrustra uh, American made. So yes, it does work as a contrast, but then again, you could have done the exact same thing with Heavenly Thunder. For sure. That also yep. works as a contrast with those themes, and it's a better song, too. So, yeah, we're uh, we're in sync with this one, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Vader, like I said, he's in WCW until the fall of 95. He actually gets fired from the company after getting into a fight with Paul Orndorff backstage. So they let him go and he eventually signs with the WWF and debuts there at the 96 Royal Rumble with Jim Cornette as his manager. And uh, did you know, Andy, that apparently Vince wanted to change Vader's name? I have heard that, but I don't remember the story or the name.
3: So I I have heard that either from from Cornette or some shoot or something like that. I know it's a well-known thing.
0: Yeah, as uh, as Cornette tells it, uh, he wanted to change it to Mastodon. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, and luckily that did not happen. Uh, he was still just called Vader, or uh, the man they call Vader, as Vince would say in commentary quite often. Uh, the Mastodon name, though, would still be around somewhere else, because Vader's WWF theme its by Jim Johnston off of WWF The Music Volume 2. It's called Mastodon.
2: What? Time is failing!
0: So, um, Andy, you hinted at this earlier, and I think I'm in agreement with you that um, of all the Vader themes he's had in his career, this is probably his most well-known theme. Um, which is funny because he didn't have it for that long. the 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 Vader WWF run only lasted a little less than three years. But you know, when I think of Vader, I think of this song. Um, the Stinger helps in that regard, I suppose. Oh, it's time! It's time! It's Vader time! Makes it a bit more memorable and unique. Um, the thing about it is, it's not reinventing the wheel by any stretch. Like it's very much in the same realm as Heavenly Thunder and Afro Rock. That that heavy, aggressive, dour-sounding rock music. And it's very simple too. It's three sections, all of them rather straightforward. With just a couple notes each. First, it's the dun dun bruh, dun dun bruh. Then the dun 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 ba, dun 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 ba, and then the climax, which is the dun, 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 dun part, and then it turns around and starts all over again. That's it. But I think, despite that simplicity, it's such a, a memorable sound and so effective in representing Vader and who he is that it becomes just an iconic Vader theme, Andy.
3: I think it's not only an iconic Vader thing, but I think it's, uh, and I know that you, you uh, could fight me on this potentially, but I think it's an iconic Jim Johnson theme. I mean, this is one of the, the WWF themes of all time that gets like suddenly like in my head. Um, and I know that Vader's run is not, like, very great in WWF for the, the couple of years that he's there. It's got some good stuff, uh, a handful of good matches, uh, but not nowhere near his Japan or his WCW runs. But, you know, this, like, the especially that, that second part after the It's Vader time and the, the first kind of guitar riff there, that's just, like, that's kind of, like, what a lot of Jim Johnson themes sounded like of the era, but it, it it's just always been in my head. Like, it just seems like... That's kind of the peak of like 1996 music it's just it's just kind of perfect uh simplistic entrance music so i think it's a it's an iconic theme in general
0: yeah the most iconic wrestling themes they're typically some of the simplest right i mean you know right and, and jim johnston was such a master at taking simple riffs and simple compositions and turning them into iconic themes that stick uh-huh. with you um you think of like ultimate warriors theme it's just like what two chords three chords at most um Stone Cold's theme, very simple song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Undertaker's theme is just the funeral dirge. And really I think the sign of an iconic theme is can it tell you all about the wrestler just from the music? You know, does this song tell you all about Vader, about his presence, about his style, about his his attitude? And as simple as it is, I think it certainly does. Yeah,
3: for sure. I think it's, you know, he wasn't in WWF, he was he wasn't kind of the the same evil character that he was in in new japan or uh in uh, wcw where you know he wasn't coming out with the macedon mask and he you know wasn't necessarily dark he was more of just like this this big shit kicker for lack of a better term and so it really kind of fits that and and kind of the the bridge into uh the the attitude era where you know you're kind of doing away a little bit with some of those sillier gimmicks although obviously they, they they then ramped it up but it's this this new generation uh, era where they've, they've just got a lot of similar themes, and this one is, to me,
0: it's really probably a, a top three, top five for that, that era for me in uh, WWF. Yeah, and, and to me, what really makes the song is the way the guitar sounds. Yes. Because the riffs on their own work very well, because it sounds like a monster is coming towards you with the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It's like a horror movie, but... That specific ninety-five, ninety-six Jim Johnston guitar tone—it just—it puts it right over the top because that little bit of little bit of grime, little bit of fuzz, makes it just a, a little bit more dangerous sounding, a little darker, and especially that opening part with the da da wow da da—it sounds like the wail of some mechanical beast, some creature, and. It just, it works so well for Vader. And if this song really was made in any other era of WWE, whether before this or after this, it likely wouldn't have had that guitar sound and and wouldn't have had this little extra bit of character to it. But Vader came in at this specific moment where his theme song sounds just a little bit more monstrous and a little bit more dangerous, and it only works to make it sound that much better for Vader.
3: Now a totally a random thought and you might not have the answer uh, but in my head this is a, a prominent theme in like WWF WWF Attitude or one of those early video games do you kn- I know he's not in that game do you know if that's if it's in any of those Nintendo 64 PlayStation 1 WWF video games um, I am not aware of this. You're not no, aware? I'll have to no. look that up. Okay, well, listeners, if you listen to this, you can respond to whatever and, and let me know. But in my yeah. head, like I remember like setting this theme to one of my creator wrestlers, but I don't know if he was ever in any of those that era of games. So maybe that helps kind of make it iconic to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think as well, there's a little bit of irony to the fact that this is probably his most iconic theme, but... It's in the one promotion where he didn't really succeed as a top guy in his prime. Right. You know, because in CWA, New Japan, WCW, he was the world champion. He was the top guy on more than one occasion. Even after the WWF run, when he went to All Japan, he won the Triple Crown title twice. But he didn't win the WWF title. He didn't win any titles whatsoever during his run there. And, you know, you hear the stories of, like, Shawn Michaels throwing hissy fits at him and hurting his feelings and Vince wanting to change his name to the Mastodon and getting locked up in Kuwait that one time. Like, he he did not have the, the easiest time, that's for sure. And once 98 rolls around with Stone Cold Steve Austin on top and you've got this new monster to play with, Kane, then that was it for Vader. And he was gone soon afterwards and it's a it's a real shame that he never got you know a top run in that company but um but then again you know uh, mishandling wrestlers seems to be a, a common WWE occurrence there uh, Andy yeah and it's it is uh on a, a
3: lost a cane after a lost a cane where he has that infamous uh line I yeah, think I'm a big like, fat piece of shit yeah, I'm a piece of shit I'm a big fat piece of shit and it's just like oh that's so sad I mean he's he's in his 40s at this point I believe. Um, or at least close to it. And so he's, you know, he's, you would think he's on the downhill, but then we see him what we'll talk about in a minute, but he still has a lot left to give for, for a few years. Um, but yeah, it is, it is disappointing that with the talent they had there, um, that he's really only in a, a handful, if that a really good matches
0: in his two years in WWF. Yeah. Um, you know, Andy, uh, last year I did a big marathon watch of the show Boston legal, and whenever I watched an episode, you know what I would say? It's time! It's time! It's Spader time! Time! Time!
3: Boo! You did that just to, just just to spite me, you know? I like did. I call did. you
0: out on your punny joke. I had to. I'm sorry. I had to do it. I had to do it. Um, also, seeing as how I am Jewish, do you know what I say whenever I show up to Passover dinner? It's time. It's time. It's Seder time. 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 (laughs) That's it. No more. I promise. I'm done. I'm done. I I got that one. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So uh, Vader would continue to use Mastodon for uh, many of his post-WWF appearances in the States and Europe and places like that. But that is not the last theme of the episode. The last theme is this song. When Vader left WWF towards the end of 98, he went back to Japan, and like I said, he joined all Japan, and then later on, made the jump to Noah. And the song he would use there, I'll be honest, I have absolutely no idea who does it. I cannot find any information about it. The only things I do know are that Vader is in the song, saying his own name, and that the song is called Vader Time. Well, it's time!
2: It's time! It's Vader, how,
0: So, like Heavenly Thunder, this is a Vader theme that most people probably don't know about. And also like Heavenly Thunder, that's a damn shame because this song, pardon my French, is fucking awesome. (laughs) I love this song so much. It is such 80s metal goodness. It's got this lead singer who is either doing his best Rob Halford impression or his best King Diamond impression. Those are the With exact the, names I wrote, too. <laughs> yeah. With the falsetto rock screams, Vader yep. is actually in the song himself, yelling his own name. Like, it is such cheesy pro wrestling in all the best ways. I love it so much, Andy. Yeah, I love, uh, and it's, uh, what's the, what the chorus? Is,
3: Who's the man? Vader! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super silly. It's super corny. It really kind of fits that, that first year or so of, of Noah. Um, I mean, it's... It is just it really fits that early two thousand, everything kinda of balls of the wall. Um Yeah, you know, it, it it is it's a lot of fun. Does it does it fit as well as as some of the other ones we've talked about for, for the character of Vader, especially maybe an aging Vader? I don't know. But it's uh it is a pretty awesome track for sure.
0: Yeah, yes. See to me, this song is like the kick in the ass that Vader needed to get back on track. Yeah. Because by the end of that WWF run, he was in such a low point but he leaves he goes to all japan he wins the triple crown he wins the champion carnival and it's like yes vader is back to actually being vader again and he's got a new song that's entire mission is to you'll know, put vader over and tell you how much of a badass this guy is he walks the night in shadows they cringe in pain as he draws near he stalks the night in silence he's the man who shows no fear Who's the man? Vader. He's the prince of power. The arena is where he reigns. This is the final hour. It's time to meet your master of pain. Who's the man? Vader. And it's almost like it's not only convincing people that Vader is awesome, it's like he's convincing himself again and getting his confidence back. Who's the man? I'm the man. Vader. I'm the man and i think him saying his own name in the song is one of those little touches that makes the song not just more personal but also kind of symbolic too
3: yeah i mean i never i didn't make that connection that's that's great that you did now it's really making me think think that um yeah that's that's a great connection i mean it's i don't know it's a uh... You know, Vader is, is, you would think after the WWF run, a lot of lesser wrestlers would just be, you know, down and out. We've, we've seen that countless times. We've seen some people reinvent themselves in modern times. Someone like a Cody or, or whoever, Brody leave and for, perhaps uh, we've seen that happen. You know, people reinvigorate their career when they would jump to WCW or ECW or TNA or anything like that. And, and But we've also seen more people just kind of like have a shitty WWF run and fade into obscurity or, or kind of have a sad life after that. And he really had, you know, maybe his second or third biggest peak uh, uh, after his, his more or less failed WWF run um so you know this really works and it really i think if you were to know this song if you're someone that was at the shows regularly or or watching this if it was on tv in japan or whatever you know this seems like a song that you could sing along as you were doing and could really kind of get you behind vader even faces this, this foreign invading heel um you know it, it really kind of reinvigorates the character for sure
0: yeah yeah and, and i think there's an importance too with the fact that he had this song in japan mm-hmm. because japan is where the character started it's where the legend grew, and it's only right, I think, that you know now that Vader is back in Japan. Here, he gets a song that revitalizes him and his career, and he wins the triple crown and Champion Carnival. And when he went to Noah, he never became GHC champion, but he did make it to the semifinals of the tournament to crown the first champion. And him and Tukul Scorpio were the first ever GHC tag team champions in history. So. While I don't think that second Japan run was on the same level as the first one, he still got, you know, enough respect and enough accolades to be considered, I think, a nice gold watch run because after this he didn't have any more significant runs on top anywhere and his body was breaking down too, so he was essentially like semi-retired. But here he's got one last push, one last hurrah on top and a theme song that I think is, you know, very worthy of someone like a Big Van Vader
3: yeah definitely in that no that first year of noah he's definitely you can if you've, you've watched any of that w- with him in it whether it was the two cold tag or, or any of his singles matches in that first ghc tournament or, or anything leading up he's he's a shell of himself i mean it happens really fast from from the all japan to the noah uh years and and that happens with a lot of wrestlers especially people that are that big and for someone like him to have wrestled uh, as well as he did for 20 uh, almost 20 years is, is very impressive obviously but um yeah, he's a shell of himself in Noah, and kind of uses like a, a stepping stone for a lot of these people who are stepping up into this new promotion and making it what it was going to become. Um, but I love that he did tag with Two Cold Scorpio. I always thought that was weird. And then I, <laughs> like, that's what a random team. But then I was like, oh, they're like two of the only professional wrestlers from Colorado. So they were like a little Colorado Japanese uh, tag team there. So there you go.
0: Yeah, very strange to see a, a dancing two-cold Scorpio next to Big Van Vader, but uh, still a lot of fun, just the same. So,
3: For sure. Who also had a failed
0: WWF run. Too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. All right, well, those were the themes of Big Van Vader. And um, as I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, uh, sadly, Vader no longer with us. Uh, he died in 2018 at the age of 63 uh pretty young in this day and age that's for sure but he had been sick for quite a while you know heart failure all sorts of problems uh that said though i think vader is someone who has a, a very secure legacy uh between his look his accomplishments and uh some of his more uh, infamous moments in wrestling i think vader is someone who people will just remember so vividly and so well for many more years to come andy
3: yeah for sure i mean i think and i think it kind of comes and goes. I mean, people people are still discovering him and rediscovering him uh, from, uh, you know, I, you may know that I, I when I first got into the podcast game about four years ago, four or five years ago, I did it with my best buddy and we covered shoot style wrestling in particular. And we covered Vader and Takata's uh, uh, feud in UWFI. And that was bringing eyes to a lot of uh, to that Match are those series of matches that people have never seen these matches before myself included and it became really really popular in some of our most popular episodes and we made a t-shirt about it and we sold hundreds and hundreds of, of copies of this t-shirt that we eventually gave the print to um the, the vader's family is uh, one of his sons and uh, i thought it was maybe used on pro wrestling tees but i'm looking now and it's not there anymore but uh you know people are still excited about vader and people are still i think uh the look, especially with that mask and just the size, it's, it's he's got one of the most iconic looks ever, um, and he's he's kind of one of those immortal wrestling figures for
0: sure. Yeah, I remember back in like 2012 uh, when they were doing the build up to Raw 1000. Uh, Heath Slater every week would face off against like a legend, and one of the weeks was Vader. Yeah, and he came out and got a really nice pop in the crowd, and they were chanting for Vader bomb, Vader bomb, and they were doing like the uh, the V hand taunt and it was just a a nice moment of recognition for the guy um after all those years and um i know later on he would also induct uh, stan hansen into the hall of fame and he wore the uh he wore the glasses with the uh, the slinky eyeball on it that was a a cute little moment and a nice little uh nice little ode to the past there but um but yeah vader as long as people remember him they will look back on him very fondly i think cuz he's vader you know he's he's cool he's awesome and uh, he's just a real badass legend all around so
3: in his last match against uh, a VOW favorite, Will Ospreay. Oh, yes, yes. The, very infamous. The, right. the, sh-
0: <laughs> the shoot that turned into the work, yeah. Yeah, with Pete Dunn <laughs> as uh, as Vader Jr., apparently. <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, very infamous, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. But um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Met. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, thank you, Andy, for being here. This was your first time on the show, and you just nailed it so well. This was so much fun having you on. Thanks for having me, Andrew. It was a blast. Uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Uh, I'm kind of
3: absent from the the writing game temporarily. I've been writing uh, in the past uh, COVID time a lot about U.S. indie wrestling, but uh, due to how uh, some U.S. indie wrestling turned out uh, last month, I've kind of had to reevaluate my position on, on covering something. So I may jump into that. I'm, I am kind of the resident uh, U.S. Indie, indie guy, I guess right now um, so i'm not really uh, on the network or uh on the website too often but you can follow me uh, where i do tweet occasionally uh, on twitter at trilly robinson that's t-r-i-l-l-y robinson um and
0: you may find me there that's about it all right and music of the mat is part of the voices of wrestling podcast network you can check out all the great podcasts on there at voices of wrestling.com Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can discuss this and all past episodes at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash donate and click on the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat if you donate hey thanks so much you're awesome very kind and of course rate review subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify and many other places Uh, Andy thank you again and I'll see you around thanks Andrew alright for Andy Labar I'm Andrew Rich and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat take care guys